Episode 175 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast, um, which is, this is going to be, what is this? This is the Bane 2.0 series, and this is, <laughs> it's crazy, man, and this is the third episode in the second Bane series with my friend here, Nick Brannigan, drummer, well, former drummer for Bane. Uh, Silent Drive, Close Call, and 95 other bands. What's up, my man? How much? Thanks for having me, man. It's great. Thanks for uh, being down to do this. I know Zach was psyched. You're like, dude, that's awesome that you got Nick. Like, yeah, I mean, we like we just hung out. Like, it's so funny because you <clears throat> we we like the Bane. You like boys like hang out every once in a while. Just kind of impromptu to sort of get together. Were you at the recent cookout? Yeah, I mean, like, so yes, like it was funny because my I was I was Friday, last Friday. So you were you had just posted a thing. You posted like I think Dom Dombeck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Last Friday was Dombeck. Yeah. So I checked in with it because I was you know working from home now, so I'm just like I'm in front of my computer all the time. Right. And I saw a little prompt and I was like, oh yeah, I'll check that out. And I'd seen the I'd seen some of the Bedard one and some of the Zach one, so it was just like, oh, I'll check, I'll check in. So my thoughts were like, my thoughts were sort of gravitated towards, gravitating towards them anyway, right? Which they do. I mean, they 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 do often. Yeah. Um, and like Stu's, so like the F, the um, eight five six thing is like everybody's sort of posting about that on Friday. That was like the big day. Everyone was posting about it. So my thoughts were like really, I was like, oh, like thinking about Stu a lot. Um, and he texted me. He was like, "Hey, you should come come over." Because like the last time I had an impromptu gathering, like he didn't text me. Like no, people didn't text me, which is not a big deal at all. Right. Um, they just it was super spontaneous. Right. Um, but everybody felt bad that they didn't. So this this time, Stu was like, "Hey, like please come. We'd yeah. Love to see you." So we had been talking, like, and I, you know, I told we talked about how I was going to do that. It was like, yeah. Yeah. Are you, can you, can, are you able to get closer to your microphone? Uh, no, I mean, I'm just using my, um, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's funny because I, I recorded with Stu yesterday and oh, yeah, I record. Yeah. It was super man. I, I mean, people listen to that. We're on podcast time now. So people listen to that last week and man, um, it's, I don't even know what to say about the outreach and the outpouring of support for that dude, man. And it's just, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And um, I hope that, I mean, like I said, I mean, this tomorrow, actually this Saturday is the Hate 5-6 live stream, but really 
in podcast time when people are listening. That was a couple of weeks ago. So I hope that that um, that GoFundMe reaches that whole limit and everything like that because yeah, I, I think it will. I think it absolutely will because yeah, absolutely. So best of luck to him once again. So now back to you, Nick. Um, <laughs> Spring back to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're bringing it back to you. This is your episode. Today, it's all about Nicholas Brannigan. That's me. That would be you. Um, So now, you played on two records and a split with Bane, right? Mm -hmm. The Adamantium Adamantium split, and it all comes down to this, and Give Blood. Right. How did you, well, where did you grow up in Worcester, like with all these other guys? Oh, no, I grew up. I grew up on the South Shore. <clears throat> so South Shore, if you're from the Boston area, it was anything, you know, 10 to 40 miles south before you kind of get to Cape Cod. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar. You probably heard me say on one of the other episodes or four of the other episodes that I always ask, because the only part of Boston that I ever was familiar with was Brookline. Uh, right. Well, my, wife is, my wife is from Brookline, so. Okay. The best pizza in Boston, I think, is in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah? I don't remember. this. We're going back mid-90s. I used to go to Brookline, so I have no idea. Cool. Well, there's a pizza place across from the Paradise, which is, like, in Brookline. That's, like, fantastic pizza. Okay. Like, good enough that, like, dudes from New York, like, in particular, Rafe, the drummer from Kelly Riddles, were like, best pizza in Boston is uh, T. Anthony's. Like, oh, really? Oh, you know, like, you know about T. Anthony's? He's like, yeah, it's like fantastic. It's like, yeah. yes, you're right. Impressive. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, I'm from the South Shore, Plymouth, to be, to be exact, which mm-hmm. is, you know, about 40, 45 miles south of, of Boston. Oh, okay. That's, that's where I grew up. And um, like, were you like the punk rock kid and whatever? Like, what, what, what was going on like in your house as far as music? Sort like, of, like my, I have two older brothers, so my story, like, like really involved them, like my punk story, like really involved the two of them. Like sure. them, there would be no like, there wouldn't be any me joining Bane. It would be none, none of that. Like none of really, to be perfectly honest, like nothing in the trajectory of my life would have happened without punk and hard work. It was just like no. To me, there's no question. Right. Um. You know, it's a sort of like a like a confidence that comes with that. That I only that I maybe I only share with people that. I found religion or whatever, like, I'm sure of it. Like, I'm very sure of it. Anyway, like, it starts with them. Um, and my, I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest. But my oldest brother was probably about 47, 48 now. Okay. Uh, as I'm 41. He, um, he started going to shows and was like a weirdo. I just started, like falling in with like he was in a drama in drama club when he was in high school and at that time it was like the 80s so like a lot of drama kids were like tangential or directly punk rock related so they were just like into that and i didn't know it was a mystery to me but then my middle brother who i'm closer in age two got really really into it and uh just kind of snowballed from there i wasn't ready for it i mean like i certainly when i was younger i wasn't like, ready for hardcore for punk right but it was was available to me at like early like at eight yeah <laughs> like i oh, had really? those records around do you remember like one of the first things that was like like wow like i got something here that i listened to um probably 
I mean, I'd heard the New York hardcore the way it is comp, like, like early, like probably when I was eight or seven, eight, seven, maybe eight. Sure. Um, it was just like, fuck off. <laughs> just complete, completely so crazy. Yeah. But like, that also was like the touchstone, like the thing I could kind of go back to. Yeah. Say like this. So this is like, this is like a representation of what hardcore punk is. This, this. Thing. Sure. And looking at the pictures, I always opened it, the cassette, and looked at it. The cover is so amazing. So I just sort of like was very, that was, was that like was, very interesting was a, to me. It was a huge part back in the day. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, like, it was like an ex- it was like a legitimate experience. You know, like I remember getting my little allowance or saving up money from like this little job and going to get cassette tapes or or the very 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 beginning of CDs or even records and just going in my room, being alone and just opening it up and yeah. reading lyrics along with it and thank yous and all that stuff. Like it was a whole deal. That's why I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm enough of a maniac. I'm gonna say like, but like. I, I, you know, I lived in the suburbs at a lawn and my, my dad would pay me 10 bucks a week to like mow the lawn as I got a little old, like 10, you know, 11, 12. Right. As I got a little older and every week <clears throat> I would go to the mall and I would buy it. And I kept the receipts. Like I had like a, like literally like a chronological, I opened my little, I had a wallet, I'd open it, put my receipts, look at them. Like <laughs> this is my, what I bought. Really? Of course of like like 1990 is all documented because I just like bought a cassette almost a week. I mean, maybe, maybe it was all of the receipts. Yeah. I've even like documented. So if I ever got audited, I've never, I've, never, I've heard, I've, ever, I've, I've never heard that. If I ever got, if I've ever got audited about my taste, like a previous receipt. Tell me you still have all that. I wish. No, I don't know. I mean, they were like, by the time I was in like eighth grade, they had all fade, faded away, but I still kept them. I was still like really covetous, like my receipts. Right. But anyway, my, I told the brothers, they were really into punk. And they were active, like really active punk guys. Like they would go to the, what we, up here, we had um, clubs like The Rat and uh, The Channel. The Rat is like a real seminal. You know, yeah, I've, I've heard, obviously I've never been there, but I've heard of The Rat, I've heard of The Channel. Yeah. It was like our kind of like our CBs, but we just it was never as relevant, you know, we relatory as going to CBGBs. But it was like kind of like that. It was a complete shithole, completely yeah. like for that kind of music. Yeah. Um, they kind of it was like a real, uh, you know, lots of permission. Like you just like you do whatever you want there. Yeah. Best. Was like my, best my, brother, my brothers went there all the time. I mean, my brothers went to all ages shows there all the time. I think my brother, my middle brother, went to see Warzone at the Rat in 1988. Wow. And like it changed his life. I remember he was like, he was only like 12, and it changed his life. And he yeah. came back at that age being like, fuck, oh, you have no idea like what I just saw, what I experienced. It was just yeah. this like kind of experience that even that he'll never forget it. And I'll never forget him telling me about it. Right. And I think, and I, and I remember being like, oh yeah, like Warzone, like from this tape, like from the way it is kind of. Like, right. You know, like listen to Warzone and then those two Warzone songs being like waiting for those songs to come on because I just had context and being like oh yeah like this is cool like this is really like this is really some other kind of tier absolutely were your brothers were your brothers in any in any bands or anything like that or no well I was in so my first band I was ever in was with my was with my brother my middle what was what was the name of the band uh Time Will Tell Time Will Tell Okay, it wasn't some over-the-top crazy... No, we were very, like, even then, we were very, like, kind of, 
aware of uh, the austerity of a name and a logo. And my right. mom was a graphic designer, like she's an artist, a graphic artist. So she like made us our like logo. And oh, we we cool. had like a good family little thing. My brother and my oldest brother was an artist. We had like a collaborative family effort going on. Gotcha. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. It's very cool. First, the first time I ever played drums in front of anybody. The first time I ever really played like the drums. Really was like for like for a hardcore band. Did you try any other instruments? Or you just for some reason you? Just yeah, no, I tried bass. I tried like I, I had a cool. I wish I still had it. I wish I still had my bass. It was like a little music um, master Fender music master. It was a short scale um, bass that's really sweet. I mean, it's like a super awesome bass. Um, that I got, maybe I got promptly got rid of it as soon as I decided I was a good drummer. Yeah. You know, but it was, because it was like, why do we want this little dinky short scale bass? Like, like, oh, I guess not. It's for a kid. <laughs> but it, they're awesome basses. Like, yeah, I know people that have them now. And yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Shit. So what you would so say, like, what year is this you're talking, like your first band? Um, 91. Okay. 91. Like early 90, maybe early 91. Okay, so you were young, man. I don't know. Maybe it was maybe I don't fucking know. Maybe it was late '91, like December '91 into '92. Okay, because you said you're 41. I'm 44. So oh, okay, yeah. so you 12. Yeah. Yeah. 12. yeah. So you were like 12 playing in your first band in front of people. Yeah, I mean, so May of May of '92, I we played our first show. That was awesome. Fucking cool show. It was awesome. Yeah, people showing up and everything, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was like the cake. Like, it was like a weird place. Like, I, you know, and then, like anything that happened down there, I don't know, maybe what equivalent would be up around New York, maybe like Long Island or like some place that was just like its own thing and nobody yeah. ventured, ventured there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's all a bunch of kids that were just like, you know, maniacs. Some of whom I still talk to to this day. That's awesome. Did you ever, did you like record anything with Time Will Tell? We did so. We did like a soundboard tape from that show of our set. We because it was like you know this guy, this guy, his name is Greg. I remember his name. His name was Greg. He was just, he ran a sound like a mobile sound unit. He was super sweet. I remember just being like the nicest guy. Yeah. To us and like he was like yeah sure like you want to record it like I have this little tape deck like he just had a tape deck on his like console. Yeah. He's like all you have to do is just, like pay me for the tape. So we, we paid him, we like drummed up the five bucks or whatever it was. Like, what is that, five bucks? Yeah. yeah, and like, we were like, oh, we got paid for the tape. I don't know. <laughs> and we had like a mailing mailing list at the first show. Oh, it just blew my mind because all these people like gave us, the, willingly gave us their address because they like, what they heard. And that was my first experience just being like connecting through that. Wow. It's been like, oh, like these strangers that are near my age or my age like want me to write to them, you know, snail mail. They wanted to give me their address. <laughs> yeah, different times. Like I, I brought it up not, not any time during the Bane series, but like I remember, speaking of writing to strangers, like it was tape trading back in the days. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like look in the back of like a zine or something and they would be like some guy in like some weird city in Poland that I can't even pronounce and he has like this a band with that I can't even pronounce some like thrash metal band demo for like eight dollars, and I would put like a five dollar bill and three singles, put it in a piece of paper, put like eight stamps on it, and mail it, and then like send it to a junk, 
I would completely jump George Poland. Jump George G Poland. Yeah, with like nineteen in a row. Yeah. And and like I would forget about it. And like three weeks later, I would just get like this mangled envelope and dude sent me this tape. Like just crazy. Different times, man. Honor system. And and I mean I'm sure I got beat a couple of times, but most of the time I always got what I paid for, cash in the mail. I mean, you had an honest, an honest postman in Poland. Hard to come by. Right. Or an honest, weird death metal kid in some sure. farmhouse. <laughs> was, that your, was that your thing? You were a death metal guy? Not, well, before I found, like, hardcore music, not really death metal. Yeah. I, was, I was getting into, like, the, you know, like, the early Metallicas and Testament and, you know, oh, yeah. Slayer and Exodus and all that thrash metal I was, stuff. I mean, if you ask me what, like, you ask me about when I got to punk rock, like, I was a full on. Uh, like metalhead crash yeah just like you know like my favorite tape probably before i really made the fun it was probably like like prong like that prong tape like my which one like primitive origins like the big big to differ like the the one from the headbangers ball because i recognize like all the of course it's great it's just like and you being you being a drummer and Ted Parsons is just one of my top. Ridiculous. It's just like, it's so, it's like offbeat on purpose. Like, it's just, it's crazy. I'm not a drummer, so I'm probably butchering the terminology. Ted, but Ted Parsons is from, I think Ted Parsons is from Worcester, I think. I think. Is he? I think so. Really? Yeah. I mean, he moved to New York like you know, forever ago, but he, like, he was, I think he grew up in Central Bay. Yeah. It's a great, great record. That was, that was my introduction to Prong as well. And then, then they came out with the Prove You Wrong record, which is incredible as well. I mean, I love that, but that was sort of like towards my like. You know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I tuned out from that point on, but then I went in reverse and I listened to like Primitive Origins and Force Fed. Oh, yeah. Those are like fucking bangers, man. Like, those yeah. are really good. Those first like, four, great. They, co- they cover uh, Chrome, like a Chrome song on, on, I don't feel Chrome, but like that's like, like, they were covered third from the sun by like an oddball San Francisco yeah. proto industrial band. Weird. Was like, like you wouldn't think that these guys knew, you know, who knows, but like, you know, Tommy Victor is like super into that. Oh shit. yeah. Like, well, Tommy Victor used to do, Tommy Victor used to do sound at CBG. Yeah. 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 He recorded the sheer terror record, I think at CB's offering board. Yeah. Like, which, you know, talk about tangential, like, you know, prong being like maybe my gateway, one of the gay, many gateway bands. And then two years later, getting really in, I mean, getting really, really into all kinds of stuff. Yeah. From all over, but really being like funk and floored by New York bands. I mean, yeah. just being at that time, it was just New York was not, it was unstoppable. Oh, yeah. It was ridiculous. It was yeah. It was and like, they, you know, you had, you had that band, you had, you had the bands that were like, tangential to, to like everything but then you had like sheer terror who you know first sheer terror record really fucking blew my mind um, because it was so pissed off and it was so just funny like it was like that thing i think the thing i think the thing that like really sets apart like new york bands especially from that era and they probably definitely now but like is a sense of humor it's just like a like a, a sense of of, of fuck it humor yeah. that is just not oh without exist. doubt sure yeah it's like it doesn't like, exist in any of the Boston stuff Boston's too serious and too takes itself way too seriously in that early era yeah. and at that time too like in the early 90s late 80s it was starting to morph into some other 
some other thing. Yeah. That was way more, way more like emo-y. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. New York wasn't, New York wasn't about that. No. Yeah, see, like, I went from, you know, all that thrash stuff, and then I listened to the, the first suicidal record. Oh, yeah. And then around that time, I listened to Join the Army, and then How I Laugh Tomorrow record, and then the Lights, Camera, Revolution album came out, and You Can't Bring Me Down video and stuff, and then I went to go see Suicidal at Lemoore's in Brooklyn. Oh, wow. And, and leave, I was still, like, a, basically, like, a metalhead at this time. It was, like, 89, very, very beginning of 90, and... White Zombie opened up that show before they were big at all. This yeah, was yeah. way yeah. before the Geffen record and, you know, sure. Sisto and Beavis and Bunch and all that. And then it was White Zombie and then Leeway and, wow. then, and then Suicidal. And I've told this story a million times, but you've never heard it. Um, so I had heard of Leeway, but I never heard a note and obviously I'd never seen them live. So when Leeway came on, they opened up with Rise and Fall, and I was standing off to the side, and the crowd went nuts, and I was just like, that was like my turning point that made me go from, I think they were like one of the perfect bands to do so, because they were a very crossover band. So it was, oh, yeah. it was very crossover. So, so it was just like, it was for, perfect for a metalhead kid to gravitate. And then next thing you know, it's like I went and I bought Born to Expire. And then the same guy that same day was like, yo, you like this? And he sold me another very metal hardcore record, which was Agnostic Front, Liberty and Justice. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. from there, I was just like, all right. And then I started doing all my research and then going backwards, Victim and Pain and everything. And then sick of it all. And then that was it. Sure. I mean, like, you you know, you were in the epicenter right there. You were just like, yeah, like, all the best. I mean, like, you look the at my receipts. Timing, yeah. I, and my, go back to my receipts. The, the first biohazard tape is on there. Unreal. My, my brother had seen, like, he'd gone to the channel and seen biohazard just destroy the place. Yeah. Like, it was just like, fuck, man, this band. They had. He wasn't, he wasn't like a metal. My brother was like, you know, he wasn't a metal guy. Right. Yeah. Like, this band like does it all. Like they have. They were unstoppable. I'm not sure which band I've seen live the most, but oh, I, I mean, would, Biohazard was just they were. Biohazard, I would see them play constantly. And early Life of Agony, I saw. A oh, sure. Yeah, Life of Agony. Yeah, yeah, but but Leo Leeway was definitely that like crossovery. Like if yeah. you're if you're gonna dip your toes in this a little bit. Leeway's just gonna Eddie Sutton's just gonna make. Exactly, like greatest so, and so charismatic, so good at what he did, you yeah, know. And man, so yeah, so I, I was all in from there on, and uh, yeah, and then it's all she wrote. And, and then it's funny because I became friends with Eddie, and every time I see him, I'm like, I blame you, and he's like, yeah. What are you blaming me for? I'm like, You're the reason, <laughs> you know, I've turned out the way I did, it's all your fucking fault. I've tried to do that so many times. Like, it's your fault. And this guy's like, right, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know why. What are you talking about? I think I tried that shit with, like, Shaka or something. And he was like, I don't know what you are, dude. Like, right. <laughs> okay. yeah, I had Chaka on. Chaka was my episode 100. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Chaka's a good dude, man. Cool. Yeah. So, so now, 
you have your your first band. Time will tell. How long do you guys last? You guys last a while now. Probably like three years or something, or off and on. Not not short. All right. You know, we, for, for we didn't tour. Band. We didn't. We didn't tour. We didn't play. We didn't play Boston. We just like played the South Shore. Like we played like high school shows. But we would get you know like we would play, and we would get two hundred, three hundred kids. It was just like from just from Plymouth, just from our like town. Because Plymouth is huge. Plymouth is Plymouth County is huge, but Plymouth itself is like a very big place. Yeah. And there's lots, it's just pretty I mean, there's lots of kids. So I think like at the it was like right, you know, right place. Like there was two high schools, like two like huge high schools. Oh, so it was like perfect. it was kind of mining what hadn't been mined yet in gotcha. a way that hadn't been it hadn't been done. And it was kind of like we had friends that were trying to like they were fledgling, like booking, you know, booking agents, kind of guys that would just want to do shows everywhere on the Cape. And right. They gave us. I remember they gave us this list in uh, the summer of '92, and then we were like, "Fuck!" Like these were like the show. Like we're in the spring of '92. Like here's what you're gonna do this summer. Like we're your managers. We're like okay, yeah. <laughs> like you're gonna play these shows, and it was all this crazy shit. Like we was playing the shelter and we in. Uh, at the rad and like all this all these shows and we were like whoa and then they never like all the, we played like three shows <laughs> we played like three shows that summer like nothing went that so it was our first experience of being like having smoke kind of blown up our ass gotcha. we just but it, but it was like we just practiced a lot and had this kind of like very boston-y like snapshotty kind of skinhead-y kind of thing going on nice and it was you know that was our that was our vibe and we got all the skaters and all the weirdos and everybody who just piled on all the, some jocks, you know, just kids that were like a summer ago would have kicked the shit out of us for like, yo, right. Like, guys are heavy, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, and then they got, got into youth today. <laughs> no, they probably got into green day or right. a yeah. year later. Offspring. Yeah. But it was, it was like that little window, like Nirvana had just, fucking gotten crazy and everybody was starting to discover this sort of weirdness and we, we were there yeah that's perfect timing that's awesome yeah. so now how did you all right so so we figure your first show with them was 92 so you yeah. like 95 that band kind of went away oh, i'm sorry maybe yeah it was 94 i think it was 94 all right last. so when, when did you when did you well what were you doing in between there before like you met um, I was doing, doing a band called Rise Again, and that band was right after Time Will Tell. Okay. Rise, Rise Again was way more in the vein of like the or, or late mid to late '90s. Like, I don't know. I, I was really turned on by like, because um, you have to understand, like, Boston has had a, a rep of being like very tough, kind of like thuggy. And like in the hardcore hardcore bands, we had I mean we had we had like lots of fights and lots of problems and lots of violence at our shows. Right. The shows I grew up going to in Boston. And um it just was a fucking turnoff. It was just and I loved the music. Yeah. And it just being like kind of like a skinny, wimpy guy, like there was nothing that there was nothing appealed to me as a as a as a dude. And right. then like early mid-90s some bands started to form and come, come into fruition that were um, me, more me guys. <laughs> guys like, I get it. Like I get me. It. And guys that were nerdy or whatever it was. 
that were playing this kind of angular but bizarre um, kind of take on, on on the music I loved. And there were bands that no one's ever, I mean, bands people have definitely heard of, like Converge is like in there. Yeah. Um, and they were doing their thing and Converge, it was heavy. I mean, there were fucking early Converges, brutal and, yeah. and, and very evocative of that kind of stuff. But they were kind of nerdy and kind of like not, they weren't into that right. stuff. And so for me, it was this little subgenre of safe stuff that I was very, very into. And it's like in some early victory bands, where I guess you would think of as, as like, you know, anything that was going on in the mid 90s that wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like Slapshot or wasn't uh, that kind of stuff or Spam Like Church. So like these bands that were really big here yeah. that drew like a really fucking gnarly crowd. Yeah. Um, Eye for an Eye would be one that would be a, that, that's a band that appealed to more of a skatery subset, skatery right. nerdy, and those were the bands that really appealed to me. So we, I wanted to start a band that was like kind of like in the same vein as that. Shit. Okay, and that appealed to those you know people, those sensibilities. Yeah, and Rise Again was right there. It was a band you know a band called like Dive, which you know you to ask any member of Bane. Maybe with the exception of of Bedard, um, because he because it was right around the time Bedard was not checking in with right. stuff. We totally appreciate Dive, but I don't think he was like yeah at the time. Right. Um, <laughs> Dive was incredible, incredible. Um, high school, fucking high school band, Overcast yeah. band like called Overcast, a band called um, Bound, who then turned into a Hatchet Face. These were all these weirdo like a lot of them were from Central Math. But doing this weird shit that was completely off the off the grid. Yeah. You know? Um, and we really feel and we wanted to do something like that at least spoke to that. Or could at least fuck with but if we can fuck with dive and be as good as that right. stuff, like we would we would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like our, that was our thing. That was what we wanted to do. We wanted to be as good as, as nearly as good as dive, maybe even, you know, maybe on the same page as them. Okay. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. We never put anything out. Never put but, anything out. Well, it was funny because like we were in high school, we we were starting to garner some attention. We played with those bands. We played with Converge, and you know, we played with um, uh, Overcast and bands we love. Yeah. Never played with Dive because they broke because they broke up. Okay. But we we were starting to get some attention, and um, early I don't know Hydra, you know Hydrahead Records at all, but that was like a Boston form. That form that label started in Boston. Okay. And um. Aaron Turner was in high in college down at Emerson. Our guitar player went to Emerson. It was like a good connection. Yeah. Emerson College. Um, and they were going to put out our first record. We put out like a couple songs that inch. And then I broke my ankle. Um, oh. And the guitar player Brian and I were starting to not get not. We weren't as into like the, the metal metallic stuff that we were writing. We wanted to do something more straightforward. Right. So Rise Again was only a couple years, and then Close Call started right after that. Right after I healed, really, from my breaking head, we started doing those kind of things, which is just straightforward, like hardcore, thrash hardcore. Yeah. And then, which we, uh, which we wanted to do. Uh, how, how, did you, how did you wind up crossing paths with the Bane guys? I mean, obviously, you probably, did you know Dahlbeck at the time? Because you was going to see yeah, him converge. Yeah, no, I was a huge converge fan. Right. And, and Dahlbeck is a sweetie. So Dahlbeck is like a, Dahlbeck rules. He's a sweetheart. And yeah. he'll, he talked. He talked to me and he talked to like my friends and he was like a nice guy. Yeah. Um, so we just knew him and he was like legitimately like, Hey, I remember your name. 
<laughs> kind of guy, you know, like, um, so, but then, but he never, I don't think he ever saw me, I don't think he ever saw me play until Bane and Close Call played a show. Ah. Um, and they were, and this was 98, from early 98. So holding this moment wasn't even out yet, technically. It was just about to come out. Uh, well, back in those days, it was sort of fast track. I think because maybe April and May, they recorded the in pieces. Yeah. Count me out in pieces, seven inch. Yeah. Right. And then um, we, I did went into backups for that. Oh, that's and, awesome. Um, I think even at, I think maybe at that time, Aaron had asked me if he, if I wanted to play on that tour because we're gonna they were gonna do this record. They were gonna go on tour. Everything had been kind of sorted out and planned. Um, and then I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. And if I had I had already like I'd moved to Boston from Plymouth to do close call pretty much like that was what I was we were gonna do. We we're gonna practice space. Me and guitar player Brian lived together. Rashid, our vocalist, like was over all the time. Like we were just a pretty tight unit. Yeah. Um, and we were just gonna go for it. And then uh, we played we played a show with Aim. Huh. And I, the, I think the errands were like they told me that there was this one show that like I must have had a good night, and they were just like, "Yeah, we should get this guy." Nice. Um, that was it. That was it. I mean, that was like I was filling in, or yeah. you know, I was just doing a tour. I was like, "I'll do this tour and then see what happens." Well, you wound up doing some shit with that man. Yeah, no, I did like five years of five, you know. Jesus. So Roughly five years of solid, like, just, like, never stop. Yeah. I mean, constantly, consistently, never stop touring ever until the end. Like, ever. No. Yeah. No, which they never stop. For 20 years, which is yeah. incredible. And so, not, not a shock. No, it's not a shock. It just speaks volumes, man. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. Um, so you did, you did, like, you did a tour. Right, mm-hmm. and then then, I mean, how what I don't know how long that tour was, and then I mean, pretty much shortly after, because holding this moment came out in '99, and so did it all comes down to this. Well, um, so holding this moment was '98, so that was like because we had it on the night. Okay, yeah, so that was like the tour for that, really. right? Um, so yeah, no, we so we did '98, summer of '98. I think it was three and a half weeks, three weeks, full U.S. So it was just a fucking it just yeah. zipped around the U.S. like as fast as we could, um, and it was it was nuts. It was awesome. It was so I'm fun. sure it was. Um, yeah, and we we had really good mojo. I mean, it was like from that moment on, we just kind of had good mojo, tour mojo. Like not every band has good tour mojo. You hear a lot about first tours being really bad because they're abysmal i mean first tours if you're not like expecting it can be really tough i mean they can be really really tough and they they're tough on the wallet obviously but i didn't give a shit i just took a vow of poverty and i was done right um tough on the psyche because you don't sleep and then whatever it was, i was 19 I mean, I was yeah. you know Plus you're, you're with a bunch of people in close quarters you're not it's hard it's hard it's hard I mean, want to cannibalize each other after a while, probably. Some personalities, bands. personalities alone. Some bands are just like you know, egos are egos, and everybody, I think, who's an artist has one, has one, right? Um, who thinks they're an artist who thinks they're worthy of doing something has it, right? Um, and then we all had it. I mean, we all had some 
kind of sense of like, this is, this works for me and this is good for me. Right. Um, and, but we got along. I mean, the, the thing that we like always go back, we go back to is that we get along, get along fundamentally. Like we have some kind of mojo together that is, uh, that is like a pretty magic thing. Yeah. And those guys, like going back to Dominic being a sweetie, like he's, he's never not a sweet guy. Right. Like he, he never. Um, Zach is the same. Zach, you know, and the thing that appealed to me at first when I started, when I joined, I didn't really know, I mean, I knew, I knew Dominic, but I didn't really know any of the guys very well. Right. I remember being a little intimidated by Bedard. I thought he was, he was a little older and, um, you know, he was, he knew what he wanted and it was kind of like, you better be there on time, bro. Like, you know, it had that kind of intensity. Yeah. You know, that was good. I mean, it was like a good oh, yeah, year. Absolutely. Yeah. He was, um, he was serious about what he wanted to do, but I don't, I don't, it's like, I would never see him really coming off as like a dick. You know what no, I mean? I mean, like he, you know, he's intense. I mean, he, yeah. like, well, but the thing is, is that we're all, we, all of us were intense. So we like got the intensity kind of game out of the way. Right. Like we fucking knew, we knew we meant business, even on week one of that tour. We knew yeah. we meant business yeah. together. Yeah. It's like, are we going to do this or are we not going to do it? If we're going to do it, we're going to do it. We're going to do it right. We're going to do it a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And it was early, early. It was early, like, like locked in. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. we're going to cut some gold bananas and, like, who gives a fuck about what anybody thinks? Right. This, it immediately became like, this ain't about getting that, getting cheddar, getting, you know, getting people to, getting, honestly, even getting people to like you. It right. didn't really even matter to us. <laughs> right. I think, I think everybody wants to be liked, but I think we were just like, this is about these moments now here on the stage with us. Yeah. Doesn't matter whatever. If, if people want to come, then they're and I think I mean that totally taps into what why Bane goes so deep for people. Because they maintain that the whole time. The whole, the whole time. Yeah. That intensity is maintained the whole time. But that that relatability and that kind of if a familial relatability of them being like come take you know come on and take the journey with us if you want to and we'll we'll, we'll hold your hand we'll be like good we'll be good like good stewards of the journey yeah <laughs> but yeah. if you don't want to take it then fucking care it's like we're not going to try to appeal to you right yeah so that was early we established that early that was like 98 maybe week one <laughs> it never stopped that's <laughs> it was the, same the whole time yeah whole time. that's awesome man i mean they, i mean you just touched on it. it's like that's why they go so deep and I've said this on on several of these, you know, in this series and the last series that there's something, there's so many different points that make Bane a special band. They're not your run-of-the-mill band that's lumped into the pile of everyone else. Like, far from it. Like, it's the last thing. You know what I mean? It's very, very unique. That's why I love the band. I've been a fan forever, and they're one of my favorites. And yeah, and they they go deep quick. Yeah, I think like once once you kind of once you get on the, the train, and you want to take the journey. Yeah, you just don't stop. I mean, and and they didn't stop. They never, you know, they 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 sort of just, you know, they never faltered in their sincerity. I think is just like a huge selling point. It's like right. there's a bunch of layer cake to them that people really appeal to a lot of people. But I think like 
over it all is their genuineness. And yeah. I think that was like, to me, as a, I feel even being in the band five years, like, uh, and obviously being out of the band for far longer, that like, as a, I'm an observer, but I'm an observer, I'm an observer with this, like a very intimate kind of knowledge of how that, how that dynamic works yeah. and how those guys work together. Um, and to watch it unfold and to watch it unfurl and happen, it, uh, I think in the graceful way that it has happened, yeah. um, is really encouraging to me for like the world. <laughs> or like, it gives me hope because, you know, people can kind of come up with a uh, unfettered and sincere approach to something. Right. Doesn't compromise a fucking thing. Right. And can maintain it. Yeah. It's, so it's cool. It's like very cool to be a part of it. Yeah, I could, I could only imagine, man. Just as a as a as a fan and someone who's seen them live, and you have to understand, you have to understand something. I was a huge fucking Bane fan, huge right. Bane fan. Like before they asked me to, when they asked me when Bane, I was like, you think you might want to do it? I was like, cancel all my fucking calls, cancel <laughs> everything. Like this is the fucking yes. Yeah, I had been asked. Like I, I had been offered a couple of uh, tours before a band even came calling. Right, a band that were like at the time you have to like understand like '98 in Boston was a real. That was big. That was like a big year for not just hardcore and straight edge and all that stuff. It was a big, big year for punk. Like a big year for like like the punk scene. I know. Yeah. So many kids and so many kids, adult old men now, um, but that were hugely influenced by what was going on at the Rat every Sunday. Yeah, I had nothing to do with the Bane stuff, but then the Bane stuff was after like Bane and Ten Yard Fight and In My Eyes and Recent Sky and all these bands are like coming up that are also this other crazy explosion is happening. Yeah, and it's. You know, those two worlds never quite collided in the way that we always wanted them to. Like, the trouble was like maybe at the top of the heap, blank 77, August Spies, like all these, you know, all these incredible punk bands that were teenage, they're teenagers. Yeah. Um, happening at the same time. Huh. Um, but Boston at that time was just a huge thing. Yeah. And, we, and we, it was our little secret. That was also like, I felt like a fucking missionary in 1998. Being like, no, you, because this is pre-internet. You know, oh, sure. Like any, anything, really. Nobody knew anything. Like, you motherfuckers have no idea. Right. How, like, again, feeling like this weird outsider. <laughs> being like, you motherfuckers have no idea how good this band is. And I'm in it. I'm in right. the band. You know, so that kind of weird, that was kind of a weird feeling. But it was also, so I, so I, had, I had this, like, real drive in that feeling. Yeah. That, you know, but um, I had offers from, you know, in my eyes that offered and I practiced with them a few times to go to Europe. They were going to go to the, <clears throat> Europe with the Cro-Mags wow. um, in May of 98. And then that never happened. It just was canceled or something. something maybe it was H2O. I think it was like, no, it wasn't Cro-Mags. They ended up going with the Cro-Mags. Okay. Um, but um, it was H2O, H2O and H2O in 98. It was just well so Yeah. Just thing ever. yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I had this like kind of thing. I was like, oh yeah, it was a little spotlight. Like, People know, people know who I am. This is cool. Yeah. Um, it felt cool. And then that bit, but you have to understand that Bane was my number one squeeze 
The big demo is still just I put it on and I, I put it on and get tearful still. Do you so, really? Yeah. It's like so good. Yeah. I I think there's an element to that demo. I really wish they would just properly put it out. But some some part of me feels like fuck it, just like keep it to the kid people that really yeah. felt it. I don't think someone is gonna hear it like I don't know if you'll hear it and be like, wow. I think you'll hear it and be like, I hear the beginnings of Bane. Right. <laughs> but for me, it was like um, unquestionable magic in it. Yeah. That made me feel very strange. Like it had a very strange magic oddball quality that only the best recordings and only the best records. Yeah. Yeah. And it added. It was just them. Yeah. It's... it's... It's another thing. It's far and few between. Yes, there's a lot of great demos, but the Bane demos are great. Like the Bane demo and, and people are like, oh, production or whatever. I, sometimes I love that old, gritty. Yeah, it's the best part. I love that. <laughs> I, love, I love I'm a real, like, I'm like a real fan of like, whatever lo-fi is. Oh, yeah, me too. But I, but, I, but I think like something, there is magic in the crackle and there's magic in the... Absolutely. Kind of like, we don't know what we're doing as of some of those so-called lo-fi recordings that you have to dig to find the magic in it. Right. And if it's good enough, recording will fucking matter. Right. You'll come to the top yep. and you'll hear it and you'll be moved and swayed and it'll, it'll be evocative to you no matter what happens. 100%. Absolutely, man. I think Bane's... Uh, the, the thing was Aaron's lyrics that, for those for that demo. I mean, he's a, a fucking... He's a fuck of a lyricist. He's so Dude. good. That, that was a thing. That yeah. was like lay the blame. Uh, you could put that. You could put that against some of the greatest lyricists of all time. Yeah, he smokes. I he mean, smokes. just I mean, throughout the entire discography, all of their stuff. It's like you read Aaron's lyrics. It's like you know, that's another thing that just sets them apart. Because me personally, I'm a lyrics person. It's like I always, I was never in a band or anything, but I always like you know, if you have this certain kind of a platform. What are you talking about? Are you going to do the run-of-the-mill hardcore thing that you're tired of being stabbed in the back? And well, it's, it, you know what I mean? It's like it's like it's been done. It's like you read some of these lyrics and they're they're deep, and he throws out like these certain things, and it's just like you know, like there's poker references and stuff like that. But the song isn't about poker, but it just goes deeper. It's just it's clever. It's thoughtful. It, there's there's so much to it. There's so much, like you said, there, it's like a layer cake. There's so much to it that just adds just to the uniqueness. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't throw it all in there. It's not a no. Right. <clears throat> Which he could yeah. do. He could, he could do that. I mean, he, he's capable of that. Of course. He's but really do that? very smart. But, but, but also, like, he's, econ he's economical. He's a great writer because he's good economy. <laughs> like, he just can take out the shit that he doesn't need yeah. and edit it and make it. And phrasing, too. I think, like, the phrasing on the first, I'm not going to go too too long on the demo, but like the phrasing is really important. It's very musical. It's pop. And I think it was like, I don't know if they ever said that to him, but like, maybe I have, I don't talk a lot about it, but like the, the first, first the, the phrasing of the first demo, phrasing of Lay the Blame. Yeah. In particular. And Scared. Where I two just, two companion songs that are, I think, in the top. Yeah. Two hardcore songs back-to-back -back ever written. Oh. But I think, like, they, 
they're economical in their scale of lyric, but they're also like the phrasing is on a dime. Yeah. Like, and I don't know why anyone told him to do that. I don't think he knew. No. I mean, he'd done Backbone, which is very like in that wheelhouse. Right. Backbone, Backbone is fantastic. But they I were never like, heard it. I never heard any Backbone stuff. It's, I mean, you're not going to hear the demo and be like, whoa. I right. mean, and like they were like, they were alive, like most bands from Boston, remember most young bands from around that time. Yeah. They were alive bands. Yeah. You know, um, I have a video of them from 1990, I think, so Morgan, Morgan's Cove and Worcester. It's like a video, it's, I think it's on the internet now too. It's really fantastic. Yeah, I got it on you. Is that on YouTube? I found it on YouTube um, when the Bane documentary was kind of kicking in. Oh, I got, I got I, search now. I also, because so I have a video, I had a little tape, videotape of a whole bunch of Boston bands, a compilation, I don't know, third generation, whatever. It's pretty good quality though. And I sent that to those guys and said, you need to watch like this section of the backbone oh, video. Shit. If you don't have backbone in the movie, you should put it in. Right. You know, um, you know so they, they were great. They were great. And, then, and that was more of a phrasing thing. I don't know that his lyrics were up to the snuff of his adult brain. Right. You know, because yeah. at that at the time Bane came around, he had been through a little bit of a post, post like hardcore, you know, bring there. So right. it was like he, he kind of knew what, he kind of what to write. Yeah. Shit. Anyway, that was enough yeah. about the Bane demo. Yeah. You know, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, loves I, Bane, Nick loves the Bane demo, kids. Yeah, I'm going to get the first <laughs> scoop of the day. Right. Um, all right. So, like, after, after, um, you do that tour. Did you could how much? How much of it all comes down to this was written before you guys went to the studio? Did you have any part to play as far as like writing anything in that? Part? Yeah, no. I mean, that was me and me and Aaron Dalbeck locking locking ourselves in the practice space. And Zach, and Zach um, you know, Zach lived in. Well, I think he lived out way out in Western Mass at the time, and Pete too. I think everyone like. Bedard may have been the only dude that lived in Worcester. Maybe, oh, actually, maybe Aaron lived in Worcester too. But I don't, I don't know. They won't. Know, but, but, um, we practiced in Boston once a week, and recorded, wrote all that stuff. Fuck what you heard was the first song. Like, I actually played that. I was talking to Zach about this because he was. We were trying to remember the first time we jammed together. Was this at the cookout last week? Yeah, we were just talking about. It. Um, because our, our memories are pretty much locked in lockstep, but sometimes it's funny how time goes and you're just sort of like, mm, yeah. no, that's like, you know, like, so I think he, he thought, well, he remembers what he thought. He remembers what he thought was like, I don't want to fucking, I hope I want, I hope he's good enough that I don't have to sit with him and teach him this shit. He's just so, does not want to sit and teach me. Parts and teach me the thing. I guess we play this here, and you do a symbol hit here, whatever. Like, you didn't want to do any of that, right? But I was such a like, I was such a maniac that I had played the demo through a million times in my parents' basement, like a lot. You know, that's yeah. what I used to do. Go off steam, just play records, and I just done that record to death. And then Aaron and I had played a couple of times in my parents' basement. So by the time I came to Zach, he was like, "Oh, okay, like this guy can do the tour." Yeah, awesome. <laughs> But he, but he doesn't remember this, but I do. Is that he? It went so well with the demo songs or whatever, and and in pieces and all that, and the seven-inch songs too. Yeah. Um, he was like, "Oh, here's a new song." 
and we played fuck with jared for the first nice. time and, uh, the first time we ever met we like went through that song and we played that on the tour like that was that was done i was like okay like, here's the song awesome. and that has those weird changes and shit yeah. it. it was like i don't, can't believe i just did it like i wouldn't be able to do that now no maybe not maybe maybe not i was really excited so it was like i think having that having that you know behind me was the wind behind myself i was able to figure out this weird fucking song but then yeah no we you know Dominic and i sat in a room and wrote all out of that with the exception of like you know there's a few you know zach I, on, on your podcast he's like and he told me this too he's like yeah Pete and i just take credit for all the weird the weird shit uh-huh. I, don't, I don't remember that being exactly true i think we were all getting into doing it, doing it a little bit from the back door and like kind of having it not be really we're determined to not have it be like a straightforward thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, There's enough of that. We were just kind of like, there's enough of that going on. Why don't we just do something a little more obtuse? Yeah. And, I, and it, yeah, I, there's a lot of opinions about that record, but it didn't, to me, it didn't flop as miserably as I think, it, you know, the other guys in the band. Like, I, I like, it's definitely, it, it's definitely different. But it's I, I I don't think it's a bad record at all. Me was, I mean, it gave them it can't be started again. So there's like you can't really fuck with that. Right. It gave it gave them that song. And True. if without that song, you wouldn't be sitting. I mean, you probably maybe would be sitting there, but it wouldn't. They wouldn't have gone that trajectory as I think as like triumphantly as they did. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, that's fair enough. I know. I mean, it's like that, that was like the hit. I mean, and you yeah. need like you kind of need one. I mean, even if you're like a little hardcore band, like, and even if you're as principled and as um, a- a- adherence to uh, being principled and being sort of um, uh, sincere as they are, yeah, um, you need one of those songs. So just kind of take that little like, <laughs> like little win, little push, and that in combo with the like health best at the time, the health of DVD. Which shit even was like a viral that would have been viral now, but now people bought that fucking DVD. Yeah. Watched it a lot. Um, you know, that helped. Helped sure. immensely. Um, and that came from those those sessions. I remember can't can we start again being like, let's do like a traditional all right, let's do like a traditional hard course. Oh. Yeah, and then that coming in and be like, no, 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 crazy shit. We're like, okay, <laughs> cool. Um so we just we were real you know, we were real conscious of it being a little out there yeah we were, we were i mean all our own ways were a little out there yeah non-traditional it came together i think it's a great record so i mean i, I think i might be a little bit biased but i don't know that's just me so you guys toured you you guys toured like crazy off of that record yeah we did you know we did a lot I think mean, between 99 and 2001, we toured the country like four times or something. Europe. Did, you know, East Coast and Europe. Yeah, and we did Europe in 2000, I think. And, um, off, of, off of, was that, no, that wasn't off of Give Blood yet, right? No. No, but we had, uh, I think we had just completed the recordings for the split seven inch. It was like the, the next thing. Gotcha. Recording we were going to do. Trying to redeem the sort of recording quality of, it all comes out of this. Right. We like quickly wrote two songs and like went into a better studio. Right. <laughs> um, 
and we just needed, you know, we were touring. We need, you know, as we, as we, as we were, we wanted something new to sort of tour on, even though it wasn't out. We just wanted to do something. Sure. And then you go into the studio for Give Blood. Yeah, I mean, we said no to a tour, so we were gonna. We said yes to a lot, so we were just at this phase of saying yes, just yeah. just do everything. Before we really before we learned the power of no, right? We said yes to everything. Right. Uh, we, you know, and because we were just they, you know, wanted to just nonstop. Yeah. Um, and we had an offer to go out with Sigmodel. Then that was our first like. That was our first like. Um, you're going to be the opener um, with this huge band, take it kind of thing that we never had. Like we never had the bands that always we did these tours and we we're like, how do they get that tour? What the fuck? You know, feeling like a little bit bigger for our bridges, I guess. But we we're just like, we should just. I would be cool to do that. And then the reality of it came, and the, the offers for those kinds of tours are really pretty bad. I mean, like they're not like. We had that at that point had been touring sustainably on our own, like doing our own headlining kind of thing. Yeah. That we were like, ah, like if I, I remember sitting in the van, like in Seattle or something. Like, Why we're gonna are we gonna write a record or not? Right. Um, and they're being like, we got to do this tour. It's just like we've been talking about it. It's like the thing, you know. We were, and we we're on tour talking about. It. And I was like, no, man, we gotta like do like. Like real bands do, <laughs> go and like write a record, like write it. Yeah. You know, we were all feeling kind of down about how it all comes out of this ended up and like how it sounded. It was giving us good dividend. It was, you know, reaping some rewards for us in terms of just being able to sustain tours for a long enough time. Yeah. And not feel like and not feel like we were just pissing in the wind. Right. You know. So I remember just being like, you know. We as a collectively, collectively as a band, made a decision. We we're going to make another record. We we're going to write it and spend time on it. Right. And really focus on it. Like really, just we're going to be a band that does a record. Right. And it was like a, just it was like me being like, ah, fucking, we're doing this, and I felt really intense about it. But it was something that was like burning a hole in me because we did all this touring, but we didn't do the other half. Right. You know, we didn't do the other work that you need to do. Gotcha. And they were they were very everybody was like, yeah we're gonna do that awesome then thank God we did because we fucking I mean like we did the work yeah fuck and that album that album did great no yeah I mean that was you know that that album was a direct result of doing the work of right putting in the time sure and showing ourselves as much as anybody I think primarily ourselves. Yeah. That we can, we can do that. Right. We do, we we are we were a band that could do both. I guess yeah. was that like what we wanted to do, and we could, we did it. We did it, and I, I like still love to listen to that record. I think it's you know we wrote that record over I think over a course of a year, probably like two thousand. Yeah. Summer of two thousand one is where we went in. Uh, went in. Maybe it was nine months, something like that. Okay. We, we we were like working on. Yeah. Winter. I remember being cold. In Worcester, huh. at the space. Right. But we, but we, to me, in my mind, we nailed it. I mean, we nailed it. Like it's we, we were like this, the the, rec, the like recording a record isn't like a fucking doctor's appointment, right? Probably don't don't like avoid it. Like go into it 
uh, with enthusiasm. Sure. Uh, and see what happens. And yeah. And also, and also, like, get good sounds. If you don't have good sounds at the beginning, I remember talking to like Brian McTurn and be like, "Drums are going to take a while because we're going to really need to we need to hit it." Yeah. And he was like, "Dude, trust me." Right. <laughs> like, nice. I'm on your team, and I was like, "Okay." There's like one conversation with him, and I was like, mm-hmm. Cause I had I hadn't done any recording with Brian. They sounded great, but those records I thought sounded great. I hadn't really done any work with them. Right. So now, that was the last thing you recorded with those guys. Right. right. Well, maybe maybe we we did a we did a Bjork song. <laughs> was that uh, Bjork song that wound up on the World Series seven inch compilations? I don't know where it ended up, but it was it was we did that at we did that at Salad Day, like. Um, yeah, it, it wound up. It wound up on like London, whatever seven inch. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah. There's cool. a Bjork cover on one of them. Yeah. Um. So now, how did you wind up parting ways with the band? I like we were on tour nonstop. Um, I mean, in my mind. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but, but it was a juggernaut. Like it was a thing that was just never gonna. It was never going to end. Right. Um, and I was getting in, you know, out there, getting a good shit. It was kind of not, at the time, feeling not very interested in being one, like a one type of music musician. I was like fancying myself a musician. Right. I, I don't know. Right. Um, but, but, but also like feeling stressed about touring a lot. I mean, that feeling never kind of went away. Like I, I, I was always the sort of sore thumb with the odd, the odd duck. I think those guys were like, yeah, let's fucking go. Yeah. And me, I was always that timid kind of like, can't we just like have balance? And like, right. <laughs> I, I had like a, you know, like a committed, really, I was in a committed relationship. I had, it, you know, I was working, relatively shit job but I liked my job like I liked I liked the balance of doing all that stuff yeah and I had a close call which I sort of like felt guilty and had to quit right when Give Blood was really ramping up yeah I finally had to face that so and and I was you know getting a little out there yeah and I the the machine the machinations of the main touring thing had no time for that I had no time for that to kind of like, what, what about this? I had no time for that. Right. Um, at the time, I yeah. had no time for that. But I also think like, yeah, I, and I just quit. Like I just stopped. And I stopped in like a very dramatic way that everyone thinks I'm insane for doing. But it, it was, uh, my cup had run it over. Right. And my touring <laughs> time had come to a point where I was like, I just can't do that. You know, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. Like, a, a moment or a feeling of just like this has to stop now right and it, and it has a lot to do with uh depression it has a lot to do with anxiety and yeah. i know i mean i know that now well yeah i've had those moments but not on not I, like i said i was never in a band, so not in that situation but absolutely i've oh, had yeah, this those moments in life opinion. yeah those moments in life where you're just like it could, it could be like a relationship right where you're just sort of like you wake up one day, you look at the person, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. No, like I can't, like I have to step away from this in a major way for me to really evaluate it and I don't have the room right. to do it. Right. Um, and it was a freaky feeling, really. 
streaky feeling. It was a really streaky scene. Like I <laughs> never do that that way again. Right. Um, who knows? Maybe I would, but it, but really, it, it was like a one moment in time. It was right. dark. It was a dark little scene. Yeah. I was on tour with them, and I was just like, I can't do. It. And I, I and I, you know, kind of like um, <clears throat> thinking back to it, and kind of knowing who I know, and drummers especially. I don't know what it is about, about drummers, but there are a handful. Huh. That <laughs> similar kind of like fuck. Because I mean, like I, I don't know. Maybe we're underappreciated. Maybe. We just don't feel like we've got enough of a, a skin in the game or something. something. But it was really a moment of um, kind of like a of, of being on fire. Just feeling like I'm on fucking fire right now and nobody right. knows. Huh. Wow. Huh. Yeah. And I, it was, just, and then, and it, and, it, and it was really hard, and I did it, and I would never do it that way. You know, like, yeah. on, the, it was the tail end of a, like a small tour, but still, it was like, I think you, you, you reached your breaking point in that moment in time. Yeah, and it wasn't like anyone did it to me. It was like this weird thing. It wasn't like I was fucking, you know, fighting with so and so all the time. Yeah. So and so, like, cheat, you know, my girlfriend cheated on me with so and so. Any of that stuff that, like, happens in, in, that, in right. that context, that wasn't happening. Right. I was just sort of like, I was just sort of done. And it was really insane Yeah, how it felt. Sometimes that's all and, you um, need is to be done. Yeah. I mean, and uh, people say sort of like, or I'm sure people think like, oh, fuck, could you quit this? Like you're a musician and you get this gravy train, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I can't, unless you really know uh, how that feeling feels, it's of really course. hard. To, of course. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it was it was it was super insane. And I was like, I'm done. And I went home. They drove me home. And then you saw and then you started and then, and then you started sixteen other bands and you played with nineteen other bands. I mean and like really very shortly afterwards I was like, you know, okay, well, I gave myself this weird gift. Um, so now I'm gonna like play with as many people as I possibly can, play as much shit. Different types of stuff that I could possibly play. Right. Um, found real, real kinship in a, a number of awesome, incredible, experimental, out there musicians and people. Nice. Got locked into a certain subset of certain, just certain genres of maybe lo-fi, psychedelic. Okay. Kind of stuff that I was really, really into, and it was really hard to explain. The, and anyone that was like really into the main thing sort of yeah. like uh you know right. um, well you wanted to you wanted to go with other things you didn't want to play one kind of music so it wasn't it wasn't like that it was beneath them or anything like that it was just right. sort of like i and then i kind of went and i did all that and i never really stopped being busy i never i definitely stopped like touring like crazy but then i definitely never stopped being busy. so i played in all kinds of stuff all kinds of stuff and sang and wrote songs and, and like you, you're you're in a band for several like a lot of years now hands and knees right so 11 years i've been hands and knees so okay. that's how much time's gone by and that and that would be maybe the only project i could point to that is as, as creatively kind of collab collaborative because the thing is you just you know i quit and i left Spain and didn't know like 
how good I had it in that situation. Right. Until I was gone. You yeah. know, and so certain factors in that, like the touring stuff was really a grind at certain points. That wasn't the only thing. Right. It didn't have to, it didn't have to be the only thing. Right. Um, the, other, the other stuff was really valuable. The camaraderie was valuable, the brotherhood. The, sure. The, the collaboration, the ability to just, I mean, to bring lyrics to the guard and be like, here, and him being like, cool, like, let's put them on, you know, like, let's do it. Yeah. Um, you know, that freedom and that respect and that kind of ability to be, to be honored yeah. for all That's these awesome. different things is so great. And I mean, and they were, they know that they want to feel, but they're just endlessly uh, a family to me. Yeah. And the very fact that, I, I, the I, very I, fact I, that I could do what I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> be like, bye. Well, and then have them be like, yo, you want to come to my wedding? Like a year ago. And yo, like, can you play the drums like for us, like in Europe? Yeah. Like, you know, a number of years later, it's like, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I've, that's just, I've, I've gotten yeah. that. I've gotten that from from everyone I've spoken to so far. It's like everybody is like lifelong friends. Period. Like one of the most important things about the band and stuff like that. Like Zach said it. Like you know, he was the first one I did in the first series, and he said something. I'm going to paraphrase when I asked him if he would ever play again. He's like, he's not feeling it right now, but he does miss hanging out with the band, hanging out with his friends. Everything was all about friends. Oh, yeah. You know, that's that. I mean, that's the general consensus with everyone I've spoken to so far. How did you? How did you? Um, I was at the final show. Yeah. Um, I know because I just recently saw. I don't know. Maybe I was on your page or somewhere like that. I know that you played. They they had you play drums on the Big Gun Down. Mm-hmm. Right. And what else did you play that show? It's a blur. <laughs> you don't even remember. I mean, it was it was. Um... A couple of things. Yeah. Maybe maybe we played Lay the Lay the Blame or something like that. Like I really was like, can we can I because the demo, yeah, going back to the demo. Yeah. I was really sort of selfishly like, can I play that? But Bobby also loves those songs. So right. it was kind of like we, Bob we deferred to Bobby really on a lot Gosh. of decisions. But it was he was just, I mean Bobby's just so sweet that he was just like, whatever you want to play, I don't care. Like, yeah, yeah, that was that's another thing. It was like, ah, what are we gonna play? Let's just play everything, whatever we want to play. It's the last time. Shit, man. I played. I think I played "Struck Down by Me" with them, which was botched. That it was because, like, again, that was a couple of like another one of those songs where I was like, what, what did we write? Like, what is this song? Right. We practiced it, and I was like, what the fuck did I play? Like, I was on some other planet when I was like 20, 21, 22. Right. Like, on another planet, and um. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never play that way again. Right, I got it. So now, obviously, you you see you've seen the documentary already. I've seen it. Yeah, saw it. I mean, a while ago, but yeah, I saw it. What What were your thoughts coming out of that documentary? Um, I thought it was great. I thought they, I thought they did it. I thought they did right by the material. I thought they did right by the band, which I think is really what everybody was worried about. Hmm. Um. And it looks good, like, like aesthetically, it like, looks good. Like, yeah. they did some, I think they did a good job, like really, like ham, you know, hammering that. Yeah, home. I can't. Um, it. Yeah, I think everybody who's like a maniacs, like really happy with it, like really happy with it. I can't. Um, you know, it's um, it's emotional. Like I think just being part of it. Yeah, it's emotional. But I was just seeing like those guys, you know, feeling the way they feel about the end of it and 
you know, having big, having big feelings about Fuck this yeah. big, big part of their lives yeah. and being there with them, wondering as a friend, just like, oh, what are they going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and watching that and being like, oh, this was like, because it's a document of like that last week. Yeah. You know, mostly. And it's, it can be, it's going to be rough to watch, I think. Because they've got, I mean, they've, they've lived their lives now. They've come a far, far afield of what that last day was and yeah. what that last tour meant and all that. But, you know, they don't go a day without thinking about it. Of course not. They don't go a day without thinking a sad thought about it. Right. Um, but I also think it's coupled with or, or probably overshadowed by three or four really good thoughts. Sure. Absolutely. So I, yeah, it's, it's a good documentary. I mean, I, I think they like, I think they nailed it in many, many ways. Awesome. And, I, they, and they were great. I mean, and gracious and great to, to us because they, they like front loaded it to us and, and then yeah. let us take, take notes and write notes. And we had a lot. So we were like, what about this? I'll send you the backbone video. Here it is. Nice. <laughs> you know, like, like, I think you should put back one in this and there's some good. Sure. You know, like those kinds of things. And like, listen. Um, so, so I think it's going to, I can't wait to hear or see the. Oh, me neither, man. I'm, I cannot wait. I can't wait. It's going to come out soon. I know that. I mean, because they were kind of, yeah. you know, intertwined with releasing that final show. And I know that the documentary is done. I know Pete did all the layout work for it and stuff like that. I know it's complete. So I'm just waiting for that release date. That that one. Yeah. You know, that one. Well, uh, hopefully, the, okay. hopefully, the, hopefully the premieres will be after all this shit. I hope so, man, because. I don't know. I think maybe it was Zach who was saying like there was supposed to be several premieres and one of them was supposed to be in New York. And I'm like, oh my God, like yeah, I am I'm sure so I mean, there. I'm sure everybody's feeling like yeah, fucking crazy. You know, we can't oh. wait any longer. I think if the thing's done, they don't want to wait anymore. Right. Right. Well, who knows, man? Shit. Yeah. Now, do you have any like band social media, personal social media stuff that you want to put out there? People to follow you, check out other bands that you're in or... I mean, um, hands and knees at Bandcamp was okay. like the latest, latest ship. Okay. So that's, that's again, the latest band that I'm in that I feel as uh, enamored of as I did for, uh, for Bane. Like, they, you know, great. Song, uh, the principal songwriter for that band was one of the best. Awesome. One of the best songwriters just like can write 30 shimmering pop songs in a day. And they're all great. Yeah. So, and that's a band people sleep on because whatever it's 2020, people sleep on everything. Yeah. There's no, yeah. There's, there's no anything. Yeah. There's yeah. no, uh, there's no fucking people have no attention span and everything is, yeah, it's crazy. It's fucking yeah. crazy. So now, obviously, you've heard and you've listened. Um, I'm going to put this video up, obviously, raw, just the way it is on YouTube. And I run, I run it, I put it up on like the Facebook group. Um, yeah. But the audio, I tack on a song at the end. So I'm going to ask you to end this episode with a Bane song of your choice. Unless it's taken already. But I have a feeling what you're going to pick is not taken. Well, if you have, if you have Lay the Blame off of the demo, please play that. But you don't, do you? Lay the Blame it is. Off the demo? Of course, of, well, of course I have. Thank you. This is the one, everybody. The one I fell in love with. 
lay the blame off for the demo. Awesome, dude. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. Thanks. Yeah, um, I will definitely be in touch and let you know exactly when this is going to drop and I'll tag you and all the blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Cool. So hopefully when this whole, when, when the world stops going crazy and the pandemic is gone and everything gets back to somewhat whatever normal, you know, and there's shows or whatever, maybe one day we'll run into each other and I'll meet you in person. That'd be awesome. I would, I would. I'll, buy, I'll buy a bottle of water. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, so it's a water, man. Give it bubbly. I got you. I got you. I'll give you some of the bubbly. No problem. Awesome. Right, Nick, thank you so much, brother. All right, Jimmy. Thank you. Absolutely. Be good, man. Right. You too. Later.